It's showtime. Go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And running on this 22nd day of February 2023, prayer meeting Wednesday, and more importantly, under a month until the first day of spring. Ah, yeah, that's inspiring. I'm loving it, and you know, here in once upon a time, it would have been naked radio. Uh, it, can't do that anymore, but it's uh, 79 degrees here in Fabulous Horn Studios at the Magnificent Kincaid Mansion. Kind of loving that, too. February and the air conditioning's on. Okay. But then again, the studio here, as I've described before, has great big windows, and it faces southeast, so it can get kind of hot back here. But that's all right. I'd rather be warm than freezing. Hi, I'm Robin. Yeah. This is the horn. And, of course, if you'd like to be part of the Merry, Ma- Merry Wacky Madcap Zany real-time multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round will just run over to head on dot live. And pick yourself out a screen name and a password if you never have before. Jump right in. The early arrivers are there. They'll be happy to see you. Theo and Squeaky and Anatole, all capably moderated by a pinch hit midweek chat room utility moderator, a all-around great guy, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgistan. And he is capably assisted by his colleague, Horn Chief Mathematician and Agronomist and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger, in Oregon. Yeah, it looks, uh, looks good. And so, uh, where where are we? Uh, well, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So we say thank you to our 22nd day of the month subscribers via PayPal. That is, and so consequently. Uh, uh, we say th- I say thank you to, uh, and, and on behalf of all of us, thank you so much to uh, uh, Felicia, 
formerly of Nebraska, now of the greater San Diego area. Hi, Felicia, and thank you to Colin. Thank you, Colin. Thank you to Gary and Gaia jumping in. Thank you so much. And thanks to uh, thanks to Janice. Uh, thanks to Janice in uh, in, in uh, Janesville. Got some Wisconsin to talk about today. Uh, from uh, thank you so much, Janice in Janesville, a podcast loyalist. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so very much. Uh, so where we find ourselves, uh, we are at twelve twenty-five. Twelve twenty-five, which uh, means that's uh, that's this program, uh, this Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and twenty-five dollars of last Thursday. We're making progress. It's just that we have to make it a little faster. I guess we'll find out by the end of the evening whether or not there will be a program tomorrow because tomorrow is my drop-dead day with the coal-fried nightmare that is Appalachian Electric Power, who want us all to remember the bumper sticker that we've been talking about here for years, had some at one point. They want it all. So every penny that comes in is going to turn around and go to, uh, well, Mount Doom, AEP. I think their CEO is Sauron, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, 12.25, and let's see, you know, basically we need to raise a lot because i got to give Appalachian Power almost $1,000 tomorrow. Also, thank you. Thank you so much to uh, to Ralph's. Ralph's sending me a note early on. This dovetails nicely with Janice's note. I'm offering a $25 challenge for Janet uh, Protasiewicz, the Democratic candidate for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It's Election Day in Wisconsin, and it's a big deal because it's a chance for Wisconsin's conservative majority on its Supreme Court to be sent to the cornfield, which would be just fine by me. Um, it, technically, this is a uh, this is a primary. But uh, I think, I think, is it nonpartisan? I, I need a little help here. Is it is uh, does does Wisconsin elect based on a? I mean, are judicial elections those so-called nonpartisan? Which is just another way of saying Republicans don't want to admit they're Republicans. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking to I'm looking to get an idea here. Uh, sorry, well, that popped rather easily. It's being called, among other things, the most important race of 2023. The seat on the Supreme Court is vacant. Uh, the uh, uh, Protasiewicz, whom Ralphs mentioned, 
who is a circuit judge in Milwaukee County, got 46.4 the primary, 4% of the primary vote, while uh, Dan Kelly, who had previously been on the court, got 24.2%. Kelly was the conservative. Protasiewicz was deemed the liberal. And this couldn't come at a better time as the Wisconsin Supreme Court is being asked to offer up its final word on uh, whether women are full citizens of, of the United States and of Wisconsin in particular. Because, among other things, Wisconsin imposed a full ban on abortion after uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health was handed down by the uh, misogynistic uh, religious maniacs, you know, our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties. The law that Wisconsin is relying on goes back to 1849, you know, before women even had a right to vote, before slavery and enslavement was even ended in southern states. So, fingers crossed. And good honor. Um, yeah, nonpartisan, right. And Ralphs notes that Senator Tammy Baldwin just endorsed uh, Protasiewicz for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So the uh, election will come around the final election will come around on April the 4th. Go figure. It's nonpartisan, but everybody knows. Everybody knows who everybody is. Dan Kelly, meanwhile, saying that uh, Janet Petrasowitz is an assault on our Constitution. I mean, unless you take into account the fact that the Constitution doesn't say the word woman in it once, and that the Constitution, as originally written, granted no rights whatsoever to any woman in the United States of America, then I guess maybe Janet Potasiewicz would be an assault on the Constitution, or at least the Constitution as uh, the frauds, uh, the originalist frauds that they are. And turnout was high today for the race, according to the New York Times. But 
Janet Protasiewicz got more votes than both of the right-wingers who were contending against her combined. And the Republican that, that she will face, um, yeah, he lost by double digits back in 2020. Dan, uh, Ben Wickler is the chair of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, which apparently is at least viable. Uh, ben Wickler said, if Republicans keep their hammerlock on the state Supreme Court majority, Wisconsin remains stuck in an undemocratic doom loop. And Dan Kelly lost in 2020 by nearly 11 percentage points. Because he's a fascist. And they're going to, the Democrats are going to spend on it. The Democratic Party of Wisconsin has already transferred $2.5 million to the Protasiewicz campaign. Spend it wisely. Spend it wisely. Oh, and since it is prayer meeting Wednesday... There's uh, nothing quite like the Family Values Party when they uh, get caught saying the quiet part out loud. Now, as we discussed and have discussed, there are very a, a lot of various and sundry attacks on at-risk kids in this country at the moment. All of those attacks are coming from Republicans. Well, this particular clip comes from Alaska. In the Alaska House of Representatives, uh, they had a hearing in the House Judiciary Committee on Monday. And the nominal purpose of the hearing was to discuss the effect of physical or sexual abuse on children as well as what happens when they witness domestic violence in the home. Well, they had witnesses with charts and graphs and whatnot. And a study was introduced that showed that every fatal child abuse case costs society about a million and a half dollars. That's using the concept of a person's earning power over the course of a lifetime, so the child that doesn't live will not become a productive citizen, as well as as factoring in the cost of trauma, because an economist can cost out the very concept of trauma. Well, enter good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, amosexual, Christian Republican David Eastman, a member of the Alaska House of Representatives, 
who wasn't quite so sure about the accuracy of the study put forward. I'll warn you, this is triggering. And, you know, content warning too. And maybe get a bucket because Eastman is a disgusting individual because the ideas he's touting are disgusting. How would you respond to the argument that I've heard on occasion where, um, you know, in the case where child abuse is fatal, it, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you Nobody messed with that audio. This is a member of the Family Values Party saying it's a little cheaper when the poor kids get killed early on. Hoo-wee! That's some Christianity right there. Mm-hmm-hmm. Apparently David Eastman saw, read the King James Version where it says, Suffer the children to come unto me, and thought it actually meant Jesus wanted children to suffer. Say that again. Did you say a benefit for society? Um, talking dollars. Now you've got yes. a, a $1.5 million price tag here for uh, victims of fatal child abuse. Um, it, it gets argued periodically that it's actually um, a cost savings because that child is not going to need any of those government services that uh, they might otherwise. Yeah, who, 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 need, who needs poor kids? And Flavio said, the Alaska story, please, hockey puck warning. Oh, I was going for the bucket, Flavio, because this is nausea-inducing. Well, Trevor, Sto uh, Trevor Stores is president of the Alaska Children's Trust, and that's who the colloquy is with because that child is not going to need any of those government services that uh, they might otherwise um, you know, be entitled to receive and, and need based on you know, growing up in this type of environment. Through the chair, uh, Representative, I guess that would be the idea, if I can use a really bad analogy, when you hit somebody, you always back up because uh, it's cheaper to insurance. I don't pertain to that. How would your... Who are these people? I remember as a kid being absolutely horrified by the by a rerun of the the original invasion of the body snatchers. Remember the pod people under the bed? Who put the pod under? How do you get to be an adult? How do you get elected to a, a, a to how do you how do you achieve membership in a legislative body? with brain worms that are telling you it's cheaper if the kid is abused to death. Now, of course, these are post-born children, mind you. These aren't, you know, these aren't precious little wads of tissue that look like basically a soggy piece of popcorn that they claim has a heartbeat. These are real kids witnessing domestic violence, being physically and sexually abused, being murdered. And David Eastman thinks it's cheaper if they just die that way.
the chair of the House Judiciary Committee in Alaska is a maggot by the name of Sarah Vance. She confessed that she invited Eastman to the hearing because he doesn't sit on House Judiciary. And when the Anchorage Daily News reached out to uh, Sarah Vance, chair of the Alaska Judiciary Committee, of course, a maggot, she said, I wish that he asked that questions with a little bit more sensitivity to the listeners and how they're perceived. And I can have that conversation. But he's there on his own accord and only represents himself. Don't make this... A- which is another way of saying, Jesus, please don't make a, make all the Republicans wear this around our necks, even though this is actually emblematic of how all Republicans think. Oh, and by the way, David Eastman, in case you're wondering, now he was reelected in 2022 despite an effort to try to keep him out of the Alaska legislature, because because there's always. Because he's a member of the Oath Keepers. He ran on his military record, you know, having been in the military. And he was even present in Washington, D.C., on January 6, 2021, the day of the domestic terrorist attack on the capital of the United States, you know, when other of his like-minded colleagues ran around the capital and did things like shit on the floor. This is also the same guy, one of the same guys, who said, uh, Oh, that one, that one really Donald Trump supporters that attacked the capital. That was the Antifa. And somehow they managed to finagle their way into grasping the levers of power. Heck. But in a way, I'm kind of glad that he said that. Because it gives us a chance to point out how maggots are. When someone tells you who they are, Believe them the first time. And of course, there will be absolutely no consequences whatsoever for the hate that he vomited into a microphone. It is, uh, however, prayer meeting Wednesday. And so we've got some, we got some Jesus news. Out in, out in sunny California, there's a great big mega church in Lake Forest, California, called Saddleback. The Saddleback Church. They don't even admit that they're Southern Baptists in their branding. 
Well, the Southern Baptist Convention had a meeting of their executive committee. And by the way, Saddleback Church. Saddleback is the second largest church in the entire Southern Baptist cult. And I guess there's kind of a mini schism going on there in the Southern Baptist. Remember, it was a year or so ago that we found out that the Southern Baptist Church had been hiding uh, an entire network of sexual abusing pastors for decades, sweeping allegations of sexual abuse against men of God under the rug. You might recall that Saddleback was um, pastored by the guy who wrote The Porpoise Driven Life. I I guess it's a story about going to the beach and swimming with the dolphins or something. Uh, Rick Warren. In fact, didn't Rick Warren pray over Barack Obama or something some years back? as a, an outreach to the right-wing religious community back when Barack Obama was trying to bridge the gap and, and, and everybody from uh, Meet the Press to This Week to Press the Flesh. Or, uh, we're talking, why won't Barack Obama be more conciliatory to the Republicans when he was conciliating? Uh, for all he was worth. Well, Rick Warren knocked off last year. He had preached for 42 years at the Saddleback Gospel Shop. And uh, before he left, he did the Southern Baptist unthinkable. He ordained some vagina havers. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, you know, it clear, clearly says there in the Bible uh, that, that women folk, it, it, can't be, it can't be preachers, because that would mean a woman having, having a spiritual authority over a man. And, well, God's a man, and, and he's big, and he's bearded, and he, kind of bela- and he behaves like a big old bearded juvenile delinquent up in the sky, and he don't like that worth beans. And he or, uh, he ordained uh, three women as pastors. And this has caused a conniption on the part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Because God don't like the women's as much as he... I mean, he loves the women as long as they're being all sweet and submissive and shit, but he don't like them so much. They can't be preachers. And so consequently, the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention it kicked out its second largest congregation because Stacy Wood, 
was one of those ordained. And the committee said they have a female teaching pastor functioning in the office of pastor. And bounced him. They took a vote yesterday. There was no public discussion. They met in executive session. And they approved a recommendation from the Southern Baptist Credentials Committee saying that Saddleback was not in a friendly cooperation with the convention. That's how Southern Baptists excommunicate an entire church. Saddleback has a faith and practice that don't closely identify with the convention's adopted statement of faith as demonstrated by the church having a female teaching pastor function in the office functioning in the office of pastor. Yeah, usually it's the church secretary who's functioning in the office of the pastor in a Southern Baptist church. And Saddleback has 14 locations. They're like they're like a boutique restaurant. They got 14 uh, 14 locations in Southern California. Then they got four in foreign countries: Hong Kong, Germany, Philippines, Argentina. Meanwhile, Stacy Wood said the church, or, or no, I'm sorry, Andy Wood, her husband, of course, speaking for her said the church should be a place where both men and women can exercise spiritual gifts. My wife has the spiritual gift of teaching, and she's really good. People often tell me she's better than me when it comes to preaching, and I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Boy, howdy. I tell you, that's a thing. When a, when a, when a woman is better at advocating on behalf of an entirely misogynistic religion... Well, I guess Stacy Woods kind of won the the, the uh, self-hating woman Heisman there. So in total, the committee bounced five churches out of the Southern Baptist Convention over women being pastors. I mean, it says right there in the Bible they're supposed to shut the fuck up and ask a man if they don't understand something. And they're supposed to cover their filthy hair because the men, well, the the men are just induced to sin and thoughts of lustfulness. If they see so much as a strand of hair, they need to cover that shit up. Oh, by the way, the, the Southern Baptist Convention only bounced one church for sexual abuse. Yeah, in 2000, they said, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. They used to have language about that for black people, too. Because that's the origin of the Southern Baptist Church. They split off from the American Baptists because they didn't want all them people in their church. God likes white people more. Oh, thank you very, very kindly, uh, Billable. Billable Rick says, cowbell for you. 
for the porpoise-driven life. I like porpoises. This is, this is, yeah. Well, you know, Baptist going to Baptist, right? Oh, and by the way, uh, this will be a huge help if we can get there. There is a two-for-one tripling challenge worth up to $750 on the table this evening, right now. If we can raise $250 this evening, $250, that's not ridiculous, it'll be matched with a, it'll be matched two for one. And we will bring down, that'll result in $750 coming in and helping us get to the point where we can make sure there's a program tomorrow. And thanks to an anonymous friend for doing that. That's tremendous. Twenty-five people at ten bucks. Ten people at twenty-five bucks. And then there's another twenty-five dollar challenge, courtesy of Ralph's, and the whole thing would bring us to eight hundred dollars and get the and, and, and get that damned bill paid. So we got two and a half hours to come up with $275. Thank you so much, kind Internet friend. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, uh, this from our buddy John in Central PA. Subject Trump in Ohio. I'm just going to get around to this. I love how the criminal tyrant gets to just go to Ohio and pretend to be helpful or in charge after everything he's done and plans to do. Now a lot of folks on the left, like the majority report, are giving Trump political fucking points by giving him praise for it. Who would be that simple? No offense. There's nothing praiseworthy in, in Nitwit. Nitwit Nero has no power. Use some of your billions. Julius Geezer, buy the town. Pay for people to go and live somewhere else. Nah, did he he bring some paper towels to throw at them? Jesus. I didn't see the part where where there were progressives who were giving him props. Well, once again, we're back to Will Rogers again, aren't we? I'm not a member of an organized political party. I'm a Democrat. Ta-da! Wow. But this being uh, prayer meeting, well, this is outside of prayer meeting Wednesday, but uh, hey, thank you to uh, Andy the Angry Jew. Thank you. Andy just got us started. We are, uh, uh, there's $15 to go on Ralph's challenge, and then we'll get going on the $250 for uh, the anonymous tripling challenge. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. 
All right. I hate stories like this, but sometimes you got to do them. You know, back in the early aughts, I attended some protests over dim leaders' illegal war against the innocent people of Iraq. I did. And it turned out, you know, at at some of those protests, we said things like, you know, we're right about this, y'all are wrong, and we're going to be proven right. And we've been, we everybody who uh, who opposed that war was proven right in the long run. And I consider myself to be anti-war as a statement of general principle. But when one country invades another, I, I think everyone agrees that the country being invaded has a right to defend itself. Ukraine did not invade Russia. Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014. The Obama administration was less than stellar in its response. And so, Putin stewed on it for seven years or so, knowing that he wanted all of Ukraine, not just Crimea. And so he started incursions over the past seven years into Luhansk, Donetsk. And then a year ago, he went full-scale invasion and invaded Ukraine with Ukraine never having fired a shot. So I really don't feel like I'm on solid moral ground saying that the Ukrainians should just sit there and, 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 and strum a poorly tuned guitar and sing Kumbaya while they are overrun by a gang of punks and thugs, dead-enders, hard cases, criminals, murderers, rapists, you know, the conscript army of Mother Russia, and of course the Wagner group. I'm not going to I'm not going to criticize a country for wanting to maintain its independence from a punk ass bully like Vlad Pooty. Just not gonna. Well, but the same cannot be said of some members of what other news outlets will refer to as the far left. I I prefer to just refer to them as dumbasses. Talking about Code Pink. Of course, Code Pink has been making some fucked up choices for a while. I remember years ago when they delivered a box of chocolates to, of all people, Rand Paul, libertarian ophthalmologist, and that thing on his head. That was so long ago, I think that's before uh, his patriotic neighbor kicked the shit out of him. But that was dumb. 
because, you know, Rand Paul was not opposing military action out of some principle. Rand Paul was opposing military action because, well, he's a chicken shit libertarian, for starters, and it was a cheap and easy point to score. And he's all about the cheap and easy points. But there was Code Pink Saturday at a restaurant in Washington, D.C., where Code Pink came up and uh, upbraided President Biden. And you know what? Look, make, make no mistake. Public figures are going to be called out for decisions they make. I kind of have to be okay with this because I'm okay with people going up and uh, telling brat Kavanaugh that he's a sack of shit or the handmaid. Or Fappy Thomas or any of the rest of our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties. I'm okay with it. And apparently Code Pink did this reasonably acceptably. Code Pink posting, we ran into President Biden at dinner in D.C. He can eat peace when there's peace for the people and planet too. I think they meant he can eat in peace. As if as if Joe Biden is the source of non-peace on planet Earth. They went up to him and they said to President Biden, I hate to bother you. We need to end this war in Ukraine. We need to push through negotiations. One of them shouted. I hate to bother you, but people are dying said the moron. People are dying. They've been found in mass graves. The Pooties hard men have put them in. I guess I guess this soft-skulled individual thinks that the killing and slaughter will just stop if the United States and the uh, the NATO alliance pulls away and says, Oh, good luck. See you later. Hope you still got a country sometime. Honestly, wouldn't you kind of love to see Code Pink go and interrupt Pootie to tell him that? Of course, you can never tell with this with, with them. They may, they may think that he's going to usher in the great communist revolution. I, I don't know. Uh, but they had an agenda and said, please take Cuba off the state sponsor of terror list. I, I hate to bother you, but I'll, I'll happily leave. But I hope that we push for peace talks and negotiations and take Cuba off the state sanctioned terror list. <sighs> Focus, honey. There's a time and a place for everything. This isn't it. And a number of folks uh, responded. 
uh, Keith Olbermann, among others, on Twitter saying, uh, it's hard to believe you could dishonor the name Code Pink, but you have. You need to be yelling that at Putin, you naive children. And Santiago Meyer, who is executive director of Voters Tomorrow, said, go heckle Putin. Meanwhile, the, 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 the white wingers, unable to handle anything resembling nuance, said, lol. The left eating the left is on the menu as Code Pink crashes Biden's D.C. dinner. Har har, the thing Code Pink had to do to lose Olbermann is get mad at Biden, LMAO. No, it's, it's this, my God, they're, they're simpletons. How do you, and, you know, I, 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 I immediately called to mind the late great Bart Cop, who once trenchantly observed that you do not negotiate with a rabid, snarling dog. Jesus. Focus, y'all. And again, this comes from somebody who has been and remains anti-war. I'm especially anti-war when one country uh, invades another country without the other country having done anything to provoke that war. Wars of choice. See, this is one of those things that I knew was going to be a little bit of a naughty K-N-O-T-T-Y, not N-A-U-G-H-T-Y, mess when this all started for some people because our wars against the people of Afghanistan and Iraq, well, those were wars of choice too, and they marked us as particularly evil in that moment. But you try not to you try not to repeat your mistakes and supporting Ukraine is not repeating those mistakes. And again, you know, I'm guessing Code Pink didn't ask any of the Baltic states about how nervous they are about being next if Putin succeeds in Ukraine. I'm thinking Latvia and Estonia look like tasty little morsels for Mother Russia to gobble up. And sadly, some polling data indicates that um, this is from the Pew people. Late last month, 25% of Americans say the U.S. is giving too much aid to Ukraine, up from 19% in September. And that, uh, of course, that 25% aligns pretty nicely with hardcore maggots. But apparently it contains a statistically irrelevant number of people who are now operating as code pink. Jesus, go give Rand Paul some chocolates or something, y'all. 
Wake up. Welcome to Earth. Now, Randy Radar points out, if Assange is correct, the Russo-Ukrainian war will go on and on as money is laundered through the arms industry. It's not money laundering. This is just capital. This is just capitalism at work. Two capitalist countries at war with each other. When one capitalist country started it and the other capitalist country did nothing to provoke it by except simply existing. And I remind it in speeches to uh, people who live in a perpetual media blackout in Mother Russia and who also are in thrall to the Russian Orthodox Church and their creepy-ass patriarch. Well... Putin has said that he went to war against Ukraine to wipe out gender diversity. Don't don't blame the messenger. He said it. I didn't. The war will go on until Russia quits. The United States is in no position to negotiate a separate peace because a we're not uh, we're not fighting the war there are volunteers who have gone to fight um, i think one of robert robert f kennedy's uh, junior's kids went to fight for ukraine saw a story last week of a a, a, a family in the uk learning that their beloved son, brother, cousin, etc., had died on the Ukrainian battlefield. It's somewhat reminiscent, as is so much of this conflict, of uh, things from 90 years ago. In particular, with regard to foreign volunteers fighting on the Ukrainian side, the Abraham Lincoln Brigade from the United States going to fight on the Republican side in Spain. And thank you. Thank you to Darlene in Connecticut. Hi, Darlene. We are now uh, fully met Ralph's challenge, and we are $35 into the $250 challenge that gets... um, not two for one, but three for one. So that means we've got $215 to go on that challenge. Thank you, Darlene. Thank you. Yeah, Ralph's was impressed with that $250 challenge. So am I. Uh, Flavio points out uh, Eastman there in Alaska, the one who thinks dead abused children are better than having to deal with the survivors. Eastman deserves the Lawrence Summers Memorial Award. Multinational Monitor came up with the fictional award after this. 
1991 internal memorandum, then World Bank economist Lawrence Summers argued for the transfer of waste and dirty industries from industrialized to developing countries. Just between you and me, shouldn't the World Bank be encouraging more migration of the dirty industries to the LDC's lesser developed countries? Wrote Summers, who went on to serve as Treasury Secretary during the Clinton administration. I think the economic logic behind dumping a load of toxic waste in the lowest wage country is impeccable, and we should face up to that. I've always thought that underpopulated countries in Africa are vastly underpolluted. They're air- underpolluted? There, that, that, that's, that, that's a term? There's somebody out there somewhere working on their Ph.D. in economics talking about the value of underpollution? Their air quality is vastly inefficiently low compared to Los Angeles or Mexico City. Summers later said the memo was meant to be ironic. Now well, here's hoping Representative Eastman, uh, well, he's a maggot. He's probably entirely unfamiliar with the concept of irony. A little bit of good news today. After the speculation in the stories uh, of the past week that maybe Joe Manchin won't run and maybe John Teaster in Montana won't run, uh, well, uh, in a story from Reuters and uh, Moira Warburton, U.S. Senator John Teaster announced on uh, well, on Twitter today that he will, in fact, run again to remain the senator, uh, a senator for Montana Stan. And he's won three tight races, even though Montana gets redder and redder and redder. Dude's actually a for, he's a farmer, but he's also a, a former music teacher. He's a third-generation farmer, and he still works his farm, and there, there, there's some respect to be had in that. The Reuters report says upcoming races in states like Montana, West Virginia, Ohio, and Arizona all present challenges to the Democrats' ability to hold on to their Senate majority going into 2025. Well, West Virginia, we know that's that's Joe to the mansion born. Ohio, that's Sherrod Brown. I... That good man. I, but then again, Ohio just elected Jerk Deluxe Vance, the fake hillbilly the phony Billy, to be their junior senator. And, of course, Arizona is Ruben Gallego, probably is the Democratic nominee. Carrie Lake, probably is the Republican nominee. And Curtsy and Kirsten Cinema running as an independent, which means she doesn't have to spend money until the general election. because she probably would have lost her primary. 
And so we are now down below uh, $200 on the uh, the anonymous challenge. That means that we are down at – well, thank you, Karen. Thank you so much, Karen. We are down to 190 190 to go. And seven, and, and if we could come up with 750 you know, because that's what the challenge gets us to, $750, actually $800. We'll have a show tomorrow. And I will make sure of it this evening as soon as the program is over. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. But John in central Pennsylvania brought up Nitwit Nero going to East Palestine or somewhere near it today. And they elected a maggot for their member of the House, so they probably cheered and whatever. The Associated Press reported it this way. There he is, waving, waving, looking at pictures, walking around, doing nothing. Do you hear the maggots cheering in the background? To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. Over the past few weeks, the community has shown the tough and resilient heart of America, and that's what it is. This is really America right here. We're standing in America. Unfortunately, as What does that mean? This is really America. We're standing right here. Really in America. It's the real America. You know, not like Manhattan where, or or or, or ass where I'm a coastal elite. And by the way, Jerk Deluxe Vance was... Deluxe Vance, the phony Billy, was right there to felch nitwit Nero. As you know, in too many cases... Eve, you testified before... ...your goodness and perseverance who were met with indifference and betrayal in some cases. Yeah, by who? By, by, no, by who, Julius Geezer? Uh, who, who did the indifference and betrayal? Uh, it was definitely Joe Biden. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden betrayed him too. Hunter Biden was indifferent, Hunter Biden. No. Norfolk Southern. All of the blame goes to Norfolk Southern. You don't blame the workers, you don't blame the railroad workers, because the railroad workers have been screaming from the housetops... 
about how horrible conditions are on the railroad? You blame Norfolk Southern. And only Norfolk Southern. Anyone who's tempted to say, but Pete Buttigieg, shot it. But Joe Biden, shot it. But Kamala, shot it. The people of East Palestine, Ohio, sent someone to Congress who, who would be a bootlicker for the railroad industry. It's kind of like... It would, it, it, It would, be, it would be like blaming Joe Biden for the next mountaintop removal blast that goes off. I wish they'd do something. I wish they'd do more. But Joe's not sitting there pressing the little red button that makes all the, makes all the ammonium nitrate and fuel oil go boom. Accountability and responsibility in order to be effective are only effective if they, if, they, if they are placed in the correct location. And that location is the boardroom of Norfolk Southern. What this community needs now are not... Ex- paper towels. What this community needs is some paper towels. And I brought, well, I brought some with me today. Excuses and... Uh... All of the other things you've been hearing, but answers and results, and that's what I think you're going to say. See, I sincerely hope that when your representatives and all of the politicians get here, including Biden, Biden. get back from touring Ukraine, that he's got some money left over. That was a tragedy, uh, close to an unbelievable tragedy. Could have been really bad, and uh, thank goodness that didn't happen, but you're going to... You stupid fuck. It's already really bad. Oh, my God. Could have been really bad. Really bad. But he doesn't know. And I guess he thinks some, somehow or another the, the spirochetes shrieking in the thin gray settlings in his demented brain... He thinks somehow that he helped avert a disaster? I got nothing. Uh, Stephen New York says uh, uh, the brakes. I'm pretty sure it was Orange Voldemort's cartel who repealed the Obama rule that would have required modern and better brakes on trains. I'm pretty sure you're right. Just like how there were Chinese balloons bobbing along in the breeze over the United States of America. But, you know, they didn't tell us about it. At least there's a little transparency with this administration. I'll take what I can get sometimes.
the stupidity of this man. The venality, the fecklessness of this man. If ever there was a case of, shut the fuck up, Donnie, this is it. And since we're talking about Nitwit Nero, we may as well go ahead and talk about Marginal Trailer Queen. God, I see her and I see more and more. I see her and I see, I don't know, uh, somebody who didn't get a call back from the auditions for the road company of, of, of Game of Thrones. Stunt double for Queen What's-Her-Name. Never really watched Game of Thrones. Now, Marginal Trailer Queen, having put out her national divorce uh, tweet on President's Day, on George Washington's birthday. Stay, stay classy, Marge. Well, they, they, they hauled her over on to uh, Fox News TV Radio Rwanda so that she could try to do a little damage control. And I hate to give her any credit, but she did say one thing that might have had a smidgen of truth to it. Of course, remember, they, they, they brought her on to the Hannity job show where we know from the emails in the Dominion voting case that he doesn't believe a blessed word that he argues he's only there for the paycheck. He took uh, testicle toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson and Frau Ingram. They all knew the voter fraud allegations were absolute unmitigated horseshit, but they, well, they pushed it anyway. So, given an opportunity to park a softball in the cheap seats, well, even that's not so easy for Marge. In my life, in my world, I all of my friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed. They're regular Americans. They take their Metamucil every day. They're so regular. Yep. Never even have to use a coal ace or anything. Just take that Metamucil every day and you can be a regular American just like Marge. Maybe she's trying to set up the post-congressional endorsement deal. Hi, I'm Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I take my Metamucil every day. You know, you don't have to stir that nasty shit into some uh, orange drink or anything. You can just take a couple of capsules. Just, And, you know, that's, that's how I'm used to doing it. Oh, well, thank you, Jeremy. Hold on a quick second, Jeremy says. You can't just casually walk past your reference to MTG and seeing her as someone who missed her call for the road production of Game of Thrones. That's a hefty cowbell for you, ma'am. Well, I will take it, and thank you, Jeremy. 
nice to be appreciated. Yeah, she knows regular Americans. Oh, and by the way, she says that uh, anybody move if a if a liberal moves to a red state, they should not be allowed to vote for five years. I presume she intends to continue voting, even though her state is purple now. You know, what with having two Democratic senators and everything. Isn't it interesting that in Georgia you can win a race for Senate, when it, you can win a statewide race, but it's ever so hard to win congressional seats? It's enough to make you think that maybe gerrymand- right-wing gerrymandering makes a difference now, isn't it? Now, go, go on. T- tell us more about the Metamucil Americans, Marge. My friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed up of being bullied by the left, abused by the left, and disrespected by... God damn it, y'all. Quit bullying poor little Marge and her regular American friends. Bullying is... Oh, wait, we're not. ...the left. And our ideas, our policies, our ways of life... Which is fascism, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. Her policies, her ideas, her views, her way of life, fascism. ...have become so far apart that it's just coming to that point. And the last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, No one wants that, at least everyone I know would never want that. But it's going that direction. Then why are they the ones talking about it, Marge, your regular American friends? Direction, and we have to do something about it. We're also a nation, a crumbling nation. We're a nation in distress. Our government is in complete failure. Over $34 trillion. We are on the verge of default. Um, that's a debt ceiling problem, Sugar. And that's on you. It's an easy enough vote. Just lift the debt ceiling and go on. I mean, you should know about lifting things. You're a little gym bunny. Lift. You know, do a military press if that makes you feel butch. But lift the debt ceiling. And we have to do something about that. But that was the right and the left that did that to the American people on their own. But the Democrats never stop pushing their policies, their ideas, and their culture on. Is she is she just oblivious, or does she does she not, does she have enough self awareness to realize that she's lying through her teeth. The Democrats never quit pushing? How long have weirdo fetus fetishist right-wingers been going to Washington, D.C. in frigid January and bus after bus after bus and braying and bleeding and barking and grunting and hooting and growling and moaning about the precious little fetuses until they finally got their way and Every person capable of becoming pregnant in this country become, became a second-class citizen based upon the state in which they live. But we're the ones who don't quit pressing. God, she'd probably faint or something if she actually ran into a real, a, a real truly honest, progressive, liberal, whatever we're calling ourselves these days, 
uh, who had ideas about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, she'd probably go up in flames like 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 I, I like rice paper if she got within you know two feet of Bernie Sanders. Well, that's a, that is that is a true that, that's a true observation, Flavio. Marginal trailer queen Bobo, Santos, Anna Paulina Luna et al. Show how frighteningly easy it is for cons, hucksters, charlatans, and assorted imposters to set up a grift through a career in Congress. Yeah, she may have entered Congress a a a. a the gym bunny of moderate means, but she's going to leave one. She's going to leave Congress uh, richer than Marge shot, and further to the right. Randy Radar says my friend lives in Georgia, and he was so abused by the left that he would have gotten well over two hundred dollars in food stamps per month. But now he's liberated by the right, and he'll. Uh, on Social Security only, get a whopping $25 or so per month. Is this the same friend who lives in her district and wouldn't even go out and vote against her, Randy? Yeah, I want to tell you what, he sure was abused. But this idea of civil... civil How is this? I probably shouldn't. The goddess of irony, forgive me, but I can't help myself. I gotta ask this question. How are, how is the right wing gonna accomplish this civil war? And I may be kind of a dumb blonde in asking it, because there's an argument to be made that it's already underway. And they're waging it by fighting pitched battles uh, whilst carrying their AR-15s against people who have none. We talk about Peyton Gendron and the slaughter, the deliberate slaughter of people of color at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, as gun violence. But we know he was influenced by an eliminationist stochastic terrorist in the UK who preached he preached even though he was a teenager who preached race war you know I've been referring to Fox News TV Radio Rwanda as such for a very long time. And that phrase may not even mean anything to some members of the Horn Family Community Congregation. Because it goes back to the Rwandan genocide. When we sat on our hands and did nothing. To our eternal shame. And blood ran like rivers in Rwanda in 
ethnic vi- uh, spa- uh, a horrible spasm of ethnic violence. And when the, the, the causes and the, and the exacerbations were finally sorted out, it became obvious that Radio Rwanda, which was a state-owned broadcast outlet, Radio Rwanda had been instrumental in advancing the genocide. They had broadcast locations, they had broadcast times, they had broadcast who was where, and they facilitated the genocide. And just as a way of, that's why I refer to Fox News TV as Radio Rwanda. Because, well, if you'll have marginal trailer queen on a broadcast to talk about her ideas of secession, call it what it is, well, you're doing what Radio Rwanda did. On Republicans and the right, and we are so sick and tired of it. We are tired of our children being taught ideas and ideologies in school that we do not want our children taught, like gender lies. We do. I knew it was going to be there. I, it, it, you put the nickel in, you walk away. The machine plays, like gender lies. Pronouns, critical race theory. Do not want our children um, being having their gender change or transitioned. We we can't even have women's sports. We we were talking about. She was talking about secession, and she immediately goes to a dog whistle issue that 99% of the people who watch Fox News TV Radio Rwanda really don't understand. Nobody's. Mm, sorry, that was a bit bovine, wasn't it? and privacy in our bathrooms, and women in prison can't even have spaces. ESG, environmental social governance, has completely taken over corporations, and this is a huge policy. That's their next big one, ESG. Pay attention. Probably from the mind of Christopher Rufo. Pressed on private businesses through the government from Democrats. If you're a white male today in the financial industry, you can forget it. You're a dinosaur. You're really. They're rounding up white male hedge fund managers on Wall Street and putting them on cattle cars and sending them off to the Biden re-education camps. Going extinct. No one should ever be hired by their skin color or their gender or, or Marjorie, how they identify. It should only be about your character and your ability to do the job. And your character in marginal trailer queen world is, of course, determined by your skin color. White. But the one place where I did agree with her, she went on and said that.
that her reason for secession is because there are a lot of people uh, it's a much bigger movement than most people in Washington even realize you know, the move toward secession and civil war and I hate to admit it but I've said that here I've said it here with actual intelligence and coherence and words that Marginal Trailer Queen will never understand. But somebody's gotten to her from the branding department and say, listen, call it a national divorce. Don't call it secession, because then the damn Yankees will start talking... They'll start channeling their internal, their, their, their inner Sherman, William Tecumseh Sherman. Burn some sense into them. Burn some sense into them, I say. They never learn. Nobody's doing that. But somebody said, well, no, not, you know what? Nobody has told Marginal Trailer Queen not to say secession. Or if they did, they only did so because they knew that she would say succession. Sec D! Succession. Yeah. But it is a much bigger movement than most people in Washington and most people in the United States even realize. The Nazis have been quietly mobilizing the, the oath keepers, the free percenters, and frankly sending a couple of their higher-ups to prison for 10 years or so isn't going to stop the growth of the organization. That's like when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan and every couple of weeks we'd say that we had just shot, we had just murdered Al-Qaeda's number two. Curiously enough, the next day there would be another Al-Qaeda's number two. Because hierarchies work that way. When she says a much bigger movement than most people in Washington even realize exists, of course she's talking about the America First people. She's talking about Nick, uh, Nick Fuentes, the Mexican white supremacist. And we live in a country where uh, an actual member of Congress who has sworn an oath to the Constitution gets to go out in public and argue against her own oath. And of course, if the United States, if, 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 if something like, if, if these fools tried secession again, She would be one of the first members of the Confederate Congress, I have no doubt. Yeah, the real name, thank you, Flavio, of Radio Rwanda is 
Radio Télévision Libre de Mille Free Radio and Television of the Thousand Hills. Rwanda's nickname is the Land of a Thousand Hills. It received support from the government-controlled Radio Rwanda, which initially allowed it to transmit using their equipment. And they projected hate against the Tutsis and against moderate Hutus and Belgians and the United Nations Mission Assistant to Rwanda. And played a crucial role in creating the atmosphere of racial hostility that propelled the genocide against Tutsis. Guess what? So is Fox News. Uh, Darlene in Connecticut, here's one way, the Yankee tax. Apparently those regular Americans in the South Carolina legislature are voting for a $500 Yankee tax for anyone from up my way who decides to move to their state, the $500 penalty, my word, is for registering and licensing your vehicle in South Carolina as you take up residence. And we know the penalty is not on account of deterring climate change or anything. So the Civil War continues and the Democratic states will be asleep at the wheel and calling this shit out and throwing it back in their faces as usual. Uh, some people are calling her out and that's why she was on Radio uh, Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. Because her words, her words are treason. If you will excuse me for a moment, I have to pop into the, uh, I have to pop into the main compound of the mansion here. I just got a message from, uh, from Annette. I have to check in on, on a thing. Stand by, please.
Sorry about that. Um, we're at the halfway point of the program. Sometimes things happen around here. That's what happens when you don't have a you know, big old broadcast studio to go to somewhere else. Um, so our anonymous friend said, I hate to interrupt, but are you serious about paying your electricity bill? Because at the present, it is hour number two. And you've only raised 180 apparently out of $750. Well, um, we've got, uh, what did I say? 190 to go on the 250 that remains, or the 250 that we have to raise to get to the $750. Yeah, we got 190 to go. And if we raise that 190, then that actually turns into $800. And I can't tell you how huge that is. It means that this program will not be interrupted and we won't be sitting in the dark. But that having been said, as noted in the previous story, um, Marginal Trailer Queen said that there are a lot more people out there who are secessionist right-wing tools, useful idiots, etc., than people in Washington believe. Well, that's curious because one of the things that the January 6th Commission brought to light is the fact that there's a lot of Nazis out there. But dovetailing with that assertion, well, there's a history lesson here. Um, Randy Radar asked a couple of minutes ago, well, who was it that said that a mob is a group of people who leave their consciences at home? That sounds like Ambrose Bierce to me, but I can't be sure. I'm just That's just off the top of my head. Um, and, of course, the, the police... Uh, Prefect of Police and Young Frankenstein saying, A riot is an ugly thing. Well, it was, not, it was 1915 in, of course, Georgia, when a man named Leo Frank was falsely accused, again, in Georgia, of raping a 13-year-old white girl. And in 1915 in Georgia, white people did what white people did a lot. And they lynched Leo Frank, a Jewish man. I, I, I don't know if this qualifies as critical race theory or not. But a playwright and a dramaturge has decided to tell Leo Frank's story. And so the uh, the play Parade 
premiered on Broadway. It's kind of wild when a not, not well, it's at least unusual, it seems to me, uh, when a play that is not a musical about a comic book or the superhero it debuts or, or you know the musical version of a 20-year-old social commentary comedy. Anyway, Parade is the story of the lynching of Leo Frank in 1915. They tried him. They convicted him wrongly. And then the lynch mob murdered him. So the play opened at the uh, Bernard B. Jacobs Theater on Broadway. And I guess it'll come as no surprise that the Nazis showed up. A play about a lynched Jewish man drew the Nazis, who were even allowed to intimidate attendees of the play. This is, this is the part that just crawls all over me like fire ants. Where, where, where were the vaunted NYPD? Why were Nazis allowed to get even within yelling distance of theater goers? They passed out pamphlets, even though you know, history has demonstrated that Leo Frank was innocent. He wasn't not he wasn't just not guilty, he flat out didn't do it. But the good, decent, God fearing white people of Georgia Well they had other ideas. So a gang of Nazis showed up outside the Bernard Jacobs Theater with posters and 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 pamphlets, flyers. Uh, they were, of course, wearing masks because they don't want people to know that they're Nazis. Because then they might actually have to deal with some consequences for being Nazis. The report from Vice says that uh, video taken from the evening show protesters outside the theater holding signs and a neo-Nazi walking along the line trying to get the attendees to take a pamphlet. The man's wearing a skull mask, which has become an international symbol of neo-Nazism. Another man wearing a suit is likewise handing out pamphlets. You're paying $300 to go fucking worship a pedophile. Uh, the guy in the skull mask says... This is actually a revival. I didn't realize the play goes back to 1998. It's won uh, numerous Tony Awards in its first run. It was the lynching of Leo Frank that led to the founding of the Anti-Defamation League. By the way, uh, Leo Frank was posthumously pardoned in 1986 and apparently he's a fetish object for American Nazis.
one person looked at the Nazi and said, get out of here. And the Nazi looked at him and said, shut up, kike. And the guy with the skull mask snatched a phone away from someone who was videoing him and threw it out into the street. I've read the article. I'm still trying to get to the place where the vaunted NYPD comes in and cracks some Nazi skulls. I'm not finding it. Then, working on their brand, they held up a big banner with a web with a web address for a bigger uh, a, a bigger orga, a bigger Nazi organization. Over at the Counter Extremism Project, Joshua Fisher Birch, who's an analyst there, told Vice. This action by several neo-Nazis was a stunt designed to get maximum exposure. An affiliated communications channel has been gloating over the event and mocking individuals who made social media posts condemning them. At least one individual who was present has protested drag events and has a long history of in-real-life trolling in order to spread his anti-Semitic message and get media attention. Might this be a good time to note that there is a lot of intersectionality between anti-Semitism and, uh, and, and, and attacks on other marginalized groups. Seems like. And in true Nazi form, they're working out of the playbook and they're decrying pedophilia and they're decrying degeneracy. The etymology of the word degeneracy is, you know, generation, it all comes from the Latin gens gentis, meaning tribal group or clan or, yeah, uh, because the Romans had no concept of race because white Europeans had not invented that concept yet. But degeneracy means to be out of the tribal clan. And so uh, the play went on without interruption. But nowhere in that article, even though they were breaching the peace, even though the guy in the skull mask engaged in what would probably, at the bare minimum, be criminal battery, and probably, since he's a member of a hate group, uh, a hate crime, there's nothing in there about the NYPD coming in and sending them along their Nazi way.
Okay, that, that's a that's a minor. That's a very very small cowbell, Randy Radar. I guess the Nazis thought they were going to see cabaret. Tomorrow belongs to us, y'all. Yeah. Vicky says, uh, "Hey, Vicky." Vicky says, I'm in on the challenge. Let's get it done. And so we are now down to 140 to go. And Colin just jumped in. Thank you, Colin. And now we're down to 40 to go on this challenge to knock out $800 of a $1,285 or $1,225 deficit. Leaving only 425 to go. Wow, we're so close. Oh, Colin, thank you. Thank you, Vicky, so much. Thanks, everybody, for responding. The whole community does appreciate it. So we may as well stay on the theme. Uh, because, uh, well... Another headline from Vice. The far right is calling for the execution of teachers and doctors. A growing number of people working in education and health care are receiving death threats because they provide support or care for, for LGBTQ minors. You know, we go from a story about people being harassed for going to see a play about a murdered Jew to a story about people having their lives threatened for supporting another minor, marginalized community and not to put too fine a point on it it's the same thing it is literally the same roadmap the same playbook from 1928 1929 the same thing the Venn diagram is a circle the story talks about a school board meeting in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And a member of the school board at the time named Tim Norden, who last spring checked his email and found that he had received one uh, whose subject line was, Kill All Marxist Teachers. Norton was actually the president of the Eau Claire area school district. He immediately showed the email to his wife. They then told their 14-year-old son out in the yard, get inside. And they locked their doors. Tim Norton then got in his car and drove to the school board and started calling other members of the school board to warn them about the email he had just received that said, I'm going to kill you and shoot up your next school board meeting for promoting the horrific radical transgender agenda. It's now time to declare war on you pedos. I'm going to kill you and your entire family.
Speaking with Vice, Tim Norton said it's very easy to imagine a mass shooting in the U.S. at any event at this point, so we had to take it very seriously. I didn't want to be close to my family, just in case. This was during an election cycle for the Eau Claire School Board, and there were all manner of maggots and various and sundry fascist and proto-fascist running for that uh, for positions on that board. And all because Tim Norton supports not treating marginalized kids like shit. You know, the ones that Eastman in Alaska say would be, well, it would be cheaper if they just got murdered. Now, Eastman is a free percenter, and they tried to keep him from taking office in Alaska, but alas, Alaska, he's there. you got to wonder why the judiciary chair invited him to that meeting. But any time one of these people talks about it's okay for kids to die, you can, be- you can bet your last damn dollar which kids they prefer do the dying. Vice News worked with Advanced Democracy. They track extremism online. And they found that calls for the murder, for violence against anyone protecting LGBTQ kids is approaching epidemic status in the United States. Calling teachers groomers, pedophiles, for simply wanting to keep their young charges safe, you know, from the people who call them pedophiles and groomers. Uh, Tim Norton in the interview said, this is done intentionally. We just saw Club Q. We continue to see these acts of hate. It's the overall tenor of these attacks that continues, not just death threats. It's making our communities less safe. And Vice points out that these violent extremists have managed to mainstream this hate. You know, just like happened in Germany. And Italy. And Spain. Again, you start with the tiniest, most marginalized group you can find, and then you move up the ladder. Oh, well, we thought we had the problem solved when we killed all of them, but look, there's more of those. This is American fascism. This is, again, straight out of the playbook. Vice points out uh, Matt Walsh and Chaya Rachik have literally targeted hospitals. They've caused hospitals to be uh, evacuated due to bomb threats. 
Boston Children's Hospital, Vanderbilt Clinic for Transgender Health at Vanderbilt University. Rachik is trying to do the, her best James O'Keefe impression. She pretended to be a student and reached out to a teacher in Minnesota saying, how do I get hormone therapy? And, you know, I give props to outlets like Vice who are trying to make clear the connection between this kind of hate and the larger issues this country faces. They're doing a better job than most. This thing mentions Chaya Rachik. Again, how this woman isn't behind bars, I don't know. Matt Walsh, Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk said, these people are sick. I blame the decline of American men. Someone should have just took care of it the way we used to take care of things in the 1950s or 60s. Or maybe 1915, Charlie, the way they took care of Leo Frank, right? The article details the work that Advanced Democracy did. They found that this, this eliminationist rhetoric can be easily uncovered at places like 4chan, Gab, Nitwit Nero's rattle-trap social media platform Truth Social, Telegram, On 4chan, one poster said, the solution is murder. They say things like, if a person knows your sexuality, then you're probably a predator. And then going back to the Eau Claire issue with Tim um, Norton, he noted that uh, while he reported the threat to the police in Eau Claire, uh, he, he told Vice the people the police felt fairly strongly that the threat wasn't credible but they were in full agreement that you have to take it seriously until you know that it's not somebody who can do something you have to treat it as serious because it only takes one to have a tragedy on your hands yeah well yeah mr norton you should probably take this seriously and maybe get a gun it's always yeah why don't you get a gun Still completely at sea on the notion that you can't outdraw, draw, you can't out, you can't out ambush an ambush, and you can't outdraw a drawn weapon. 
what they did eventually figure out was that the sender of that email uh, was some dude in California who probably, the cops said, probably uh, wouldn't be attending the school board meeting. You know what? The guy in uh, the teenager in the UK who inspired the massacre in Buffalo wasn't going grocery shopping in Buffalo either. But somehow that still managed to happen. If there's a happy ending to the story, it's that uh, Norton won re-election. The school board, all the maggots were defeated. Good on you, Eau Claire. But no arrests. Nobody does a damn thing about Matt Walsh. Nobody does a damn thing about uh, uh, little Benji. Uh, Why is my wife Dry Shapiro? Or Joe Rogaine, or any of these other the practitioners of toxic masculinity. And it is toxic. And by the way, uh, I've been blathering on for two hours now. Uh, This is Conversation Radio. And if you'd like to engage in the conversation, you are super-duper welcome so to do. It's a lot more fun that way. At least I think it is. Yeah, you're right, Randy Radar. Probably need to get a gun. That's what they told Malloy once when the Christian Reconstructionists were threatening his life. Thank you so much, Kim, in New York. Challenge met. We have turned $250.00 into 750 and we've turned 25 into 50. That's tremendous. And thank you to Kevin in Colorado Springs. So we got it down to uh, 425 and now it's 410 to come all the way up even with this evening. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. I didn't know if we could do it. We did it. It's huge. Power bill get paid this evening. Woohoo! Says Ralphs. Indeed, I second your woohoo. Don't let the posy fool you. Where am I? Woohoo! Don't let the posy fool you. What was that? International House, W.C. Fields. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Brother Deacon, going back to Nitwit Nero in East Palestine. This is really America, the real America. We're standing in America. I made peace between East Palestine and the Israeli Jews. I wonder how they actually managed to teach him to say East Palestine. I know. So, like I said, the Skype line is open, and so is the stress line. The stress line, of course, is 844-843-4676. To get into Skype, you have to use my dead name, Bob Kincaid Horn, B-O-B-K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N, to reach the program there. Uh, you can also make a call that comes into the same, well, it's, it's a Skype phone number, 304-574-8178. And let me just put a let me just put a, a you know a, a mention out there. New callers are a lot of fun. Regulars are fun too. When you listen to the program on the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave a comment for the algorithm to see. Talking about algorithms all day yesterday in the Supreme Court. You had more talk in the Supreme Court today. Yesterday it was Alphabet, Google, and YouTube. Today, today it was uh, Twitter's turn. Yesterday's case had to do with a young woman murdered by Islamic terrorists in Paris. Today, it was about Twitter and an attack in Istanbul. These plaintiffs are bringing the cases under the Anti-Terrorism Act. Today was Twitter versus Tomna. The Anti-Terrorism Act allows American citizens to sue over knowingly providing substantial assistance to terrorists. And <laughs> you wonder you want you wonder how a court could look at this and and look at twi- but it's a conflict of laws case that's a that's a that's a subspecialty well, kind of a subspecialty of the practice of law when you've got two laws that say two different things and they're both in conflict you know the communications decency act of 1996 that would be the Clinton, right along. How about that? The telecommunication. We got the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that created the 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 the, the what the ecology, the environment in which the toxicity of Fox News TV Radio Rwanda could grow and 
media could be consolidated in fewer and fewer and fewer hands. And then the same year, they did the Communications Decency Act, and, but along, along the way, they did a carve-out for Internet companies to make sure that they wouldn't be liable for spreading indecency. Uh, old Balls and Strikes Roberts, the uh, neutered Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who has owned lock, stock, and barrel by Clarence Pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas. He said, uh, the discussion this morning has really taken on a very academic tone. That's a way of saying that there's nine people sitting up there wearing black robes who don't have the first fucking clue what they're dealing with. Norris Alasov was killed in a terrorist attack at a nightclub in Istanbul in 2017. ISIS claimed responsibility. Mr. Alasov's family sued Twitter and other tech companies because, well, Twitter just let ISIS put up whatever it wanted to on Twitter and whatever. Seth P. Waxman was the pettifogger today for Twitter. And he said, well, they they haven't even accused us of substantial assistance, much less knowing substantial assistance to that attack or, for that matter, to any other attack. Uh, We had no Twitter. My client had no intent to aid ISIS's terrorist activities. Yeah, they just made it easier for ISIS to spread its poison. You know, what we have here is an alleged what we have here is an alleged failure to do more to ferret out violations of a clear and enforced policy against assisting or allowing any postings supporting terrorist organizations or activities. That's not aiding and abetting an act of international terrorism. Yesterday it was Elena Kagan kind of skewering the proceedings, talking about the fact that the justices are a bunch of nerds. Well, not even They're not even nerds. Uh, they're just elites who are above all of that internet-y stuff. Justice Sotomayor today looked at Mr. Waxman and said, yeah, well, whatever, you knew that ISIS was using your platform. Then, Brat Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice who likes to try to fuck little passed out girls and gets his mortgage paid by unknown benefactors and his credit card bills paid by unknown benefactors and even his beer and hot dog and baseball tickets paid for by unknown benefactors. Well, he entered the conversation and said, uh, and, and he was carrying water for Twitter at the time, when there's a legitimate business that provides services on a widely available basis in an arm's length manner, it's not going to be liable under this statute even if it knows bad people use its services for bad things. I'm so old I can remember when the right wing had an absolute hissy. 
when Ilhan Omar said some people did some things. But, well, there's Brad Pitt. And, of course, he's political as hell, and he probably knew exactly what he was saying. This is, after all, the little Renfield to uh, Ken Starr's Dracula sitting there eating bugs and encouraging Ken Starr to put all the dirty stuff in your report, boss. I like the kinky stuff. Poor Mrs. Kavanaugh. Uh, Elena Kagan then uh, queried the government, uh, federal government's lawyer because the uh, Justice Department is in on it now. And Elena Kagan asked Edwin Needler, who was the government lawyer today, about how somebody like Twitter, something like Twitter, could be differentiated from like providing banking services for terrorist organizations. She said to Needler... They provide a hundred other clients who are not terrorists with the same banking services, but they provide this known terrorist with these banking services that are very important to his terrorist activities. Can you go after that person under this statute? And the DOJ lawyer, Needler, said, Yep. If the customer is somebody who's a leader or somebody who you know has committed or is about to commit a terrorist act, at which point Justice Kagan said, You know, we're used to thinking about banks as providing very important services to terrorists. Maybe we're not so used to it, but it seems to be true that various kinds of social media platforms also provide very important services to terrorists. And they're doing it now. Libs of TikTok, anyone? Fascism is flourishing over in the sewage dump that is Twitter under Elno Muskrat. Eric Schnapper is plaintiff's counsel. He said, we're not saying Twitter was complicit in the Istanbul attack. We're suing them because of their role in recruiting and fundraising. Oh, wait, you mean grooming? He went on, Schnapper said, and uh, of the overall cost of running a terrorist organization, the cost of a particular act is a very small part. Running terrorist organizations is very expensive. It involves fundraising. There are lots of salaries. There's travel. There's bribery. There's forging documents. That's why it's so important that the court hold that the entire enterprise being aided matters. If you limit the aid that matters to the tip of the spear, you've written out of the statute almost all of the assistance that matters. And then, also sprach handmade. Amy Covid Barrett opened her gob and said, you know, uh, if we uh, rule in favor of Twitter... This could take care of both this and the and the case we heard yesterday. 
Because they're also suing Google. The yesterday case. The handmaid, and we can only presume that she asked her husband if it would be okay if she say these things today, which means that there's kind of a ninth and a half justice on the court because she's a handmaid, and she has to defer to her husband in all things because she must be submissive. Well, lawyer Schnapper said, nope, it doesn't resolve the... It doesn't resolve the Section 230 question because we will amend our complaint against Google if the court rules for Twitter. These elitist assholes really don't want to take up this case because of that ancient maxim, hard cases make bad law. But to the extent... to the extent that we have the problems that I've been describing over the last hour or so, all of those problems have been made manifestly worse, and I recognize the irony in me saying this and this being an Internet-based radio broadcast, by the rise of the Internet. We use the Internet for good. Nobody's sitting here urging urging people to be Uh, murdered for anything, ever. But the fact of the matter is, every nasty piece of right-wing violence over the last near 30 years has grown and flourished on the internet. There was a time there was a time when weirdo right-wingers, you know, your John Birchers and your Klansmen and what have you had to had to spread their information in really old school fashion, you know, finding a ditto machine somewhere and spinning off flyers. Kind of recruiting one person at a time. That good ship has sailed and sunk. There was, you know, there, there was a time when we thought, well, no, I mean, you know, we, we defeated global fascism, put that to bed in 1945. Even as Henry Wallace was saying, uh-uh, no, no. But it never went away. It just went underground. It went into hiding. And the and, and, and Twitter and Facebook, Snapchat. I, I remember stories from back in the early aughts that where the where the where the government found uh, terrorist organizing going on in the chats of children's online games.
And I don't think it would kill the First Amendment or even violate it. to do something about incitements to violence. When Charlie Kirk says we need to handle things like they did in the 1950s and 1960s, that gave me the chills because I immediately realized he was talking about Emmett Till. But they couch their language in vague and nebulous terms knowing what they're saying and knowing that there is ever and, and knowing full well that they're probably inspiring st- uh, 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 potential potential domestic terrorists because they want to and so hoping to evade any liability therefore It's, you know, the, the violence is ramping up, not, re- not reducing. And it is no coincidence that a lot of it is happening in schools or in places where marginalized communities can be found. People going to see a play about the lynching of a Jewish man in 1915 get harangued by Nazis. A school board president gets death threats because he doesn't torment a segment of his his student body. And when you look at this this business with Google and you look at it with Twitter, there's an um, an urge to say, yeah, now do Telegram. Remember, Telegram is owned by an oligarch somewhere in Mother Russia. And I do not like to be on the same side as a Republican in anything, but from the moment it emerged and, and began to be popular, TikTok has creeped me the hell out. The Chinese started out by trying to get people to buy Android phones from a company called Huawei that was so uh, that was just Swiss cheesed with uh, with with um, backdoor access for Chinese espionage. That got caught, and they said, "Oh, okay, maybe that's not the way to go." Hey, here's an idea. Let's put up a platform that'll have all kinds of cute stuff on it, you know, like people dancing with their cats. Everybody will download that. And everybody did. And the day-to-day agitating and the day-to-day espionage just goes on 
and for once, and maybe I'm wrong in this, straighten me up if I am, having a, and, and you know, of course, well, you know, the wholly owned subsidiary that is TikTok in America exists entirely separately from the Chinese ownership. Oh, please, tell it to the Marines. But it sure doesn't seem like a good idea. So what did I say? We're down to 4.15. 4.15 to come up even. Yeah. And thanks for all the help. It would be great if we could make a little bit more progress. Yeah, Randy Radar, you're not wrong. You're stupid if you post angrily on social media. It is heavily monitored by the algorithms of the security state. If you get flagged by an algorithm, it's probably escalated to a human for further investigation. That has not been my experience. You can report libs of TikTok on Twitter until hell freezes over. And it appears that the word has gone out from Elno Muskrat that right uh, that right wing hate is sacrosanct. I mean, I know he's I know I know he's rich. He's at least paper rich, the the richest man on paper uh, in the world, I suppose. But wow, how fragile is he? It really, really fragile. Uh, the man who was the photographer no wait no that's not it there it is I referred to it oddly enough on twitter as uh, How to Pathetic by Elno Muskrat. Headline, Elon Musk asked engineers to boost his tweets after Joe Biden's Super Bowl post got more engagement than his. Report says. He really is pathetic. He's got... I mean, uh, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, maybe Scott and I were talking last week about that final scene in Citizen Kane where the snow globe rolls out of dying Charles Foster Kane's hands as he utters his final word, Rosebud. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the origins of the usage of the word rosebud therein. So Joe Biden got more engagements with his tweet about the Eagles after the Super Bowl. And under the threat of being fired if they did not comply, Twitter engineers uh, were tasked with figuring out a way to make Elno's tweets uh, have more responses than the President of the United States of America. It was actually during the game and not after. Uh, Joe Biden retweeted a video of uh, Dr. Jill Biden, the First Lady, uh, showing that she was an Eagles fan. So Elno Muskrat followed up by saying, I like the Eagles too. But four hours later, he pulled that one down because he only, you know, well, winners. Joe Biden got 29 million impressions but Napoleon Bonapartheid's tweet only got nine million. Jesus, I'm so shadow banned on Twitter. It's lucky if I get two. So that's when Napoleon Bonapartheid uh, twisted the screws on his engineering staff and told 80 engineers on the Sunday night of the Super Bowl to get busy on a project to make sure that his tweets got significant engagement. He got nine million impressions, but his poor, sick, right-wing libertarian mind and pathetic ego said that that was insufficient. He added, if I don't get more engagement, you're out of a job. And then he got on his private jet, zoomed off to San Francisco to upbraid the staff in person. Captain Bly gets a pretty lousy rap for the whole mutiny on the bounty thing, but it turned out he was a masterful mariner, and once they were cut adrift by Mr. Christian... And the mutineers, he actually he actually navigated the the the, the mutineers to safety, but he was said to be a martinet, and you know mean people suck. Elno Muskrat makes Captain Bly look like Martha Stewart. Elno described the project as high urgency. So the engineers pulled an all-nighter to create a system whereby Elno's uh, tweets would get uh, a thousand times more promotion 
and there was no use, there was no using facts or reason or logic with hell no. Uh, sir, you realize there are a lot of people that hate your damn guts, that really despise you, and they've muted you because they just don't want to see anything you have to say. Well, make me see them. Make them see me. And then, because, well, it's who he is, he gloated about what he did by posting a tweet the following day from what may be a porn video of a woman holding another, a kneeling woman's hair by the ponytail, forcing her to drink milk from a and the woman forcing the other woman to drink, uh, she's labeled Elon's tweets, and the woman being forced to consume is labeled Twitter. I love, I love this. A representative for Twitter did not immediately respond to requests for comment. No, because that person would like to remain... Well, employed. Oh, thank you, Darlene. Darlene jumped in on the challenges and has uh, come through with her own. $50 challenge from the Society of Leans rising up against those unconstitutional theocrats on the SCOTUS. Here, here. Thank you, Darlene. So... If there's five people with ten bucks, or ten people with five bucks, or one person with fifty, or two with twenty-five, whatever, Darlene will double that, and we will get down to uh, three hundred and fifteen dollars to go, which means that the only program unfunded is this one, and fifteen dollars of yesterday, which is actually we're in community-made miracle territory here. Thank you. Going back to the uh, Ohio train derailment for a second. Remember who I said was actually responsible for all the harm? You know, Norfolk Southern. Well, over at the Wall Street Journal, Esther Fung found uh, a late January financial performance note from Norfolk CEO Alan Shaw, who bragged, Service is at the best it's been in more than two years, and customers are noticing. Because they were making a lot more money, and they were carrying more freight. But as the journal notes, by the next week, he was getting alerts that... Uh, well, one of his trains had derailed near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. It'll be early March, the journal reports, before 
the National Transportation Safety Board issues its preliminary results. Interviewed today. God, I do, I, I do love some doublespeak. Interviewed today, Alan Shaw said, It is clear that our safety culture and our investments in safety didn't prevent this accident. We're going to see how we could have prevented it when we get the NTSB results. We're going to look for other opportunities as well beyond what is in the NTSB results. You know, like lying. <laughs> Our safety culture, which hardly existed, uh, it, it was a, it was it was it was down in the sub basement, uh, under you know fifteen fifteen floors of profit of of, of profit maximization, and our investments in safety. Things just stick in my head sometimes. Once upon a time, and maybe it still exists, there was an underground mine, an underground coal mine in West Virginia called the Aracoma Mine. I presume it was in Logan County. Aracoma was the daughter of Chief Logan, if I recall correctly. And Don Blankenship, and you all remember Don Blankenswine, sent out a memo about safety uh, safety procedures at Aracoma. Complaining that if, if workers were paying attention to safety issues, they weren't doing the company any good. The line he used in his memo was, if you ain't moving coal, you ain't working. The obvious meaning being that safety regulations were way, way, way down the list of things that mattered at that mine owned at the time by Massey Energy. It was a little bit after that memo came out that a man died as the direct and proximate result of a failure to observe safety regulations in the Aracoma mine and then a a little while later, 29 miners died in the upper Big Branch uh, underground mine. Don Blankenship went to uh, went to prison for a little bit on a misdemeanor federal rap for ripping off the state uh, the shareholders. The jury acquitted him of incinerating 29 people past recognition as former human beings. Couldn't help thinking of Don Blankenship when Alan Shaw was blathering on about our safety culture and our investments in safety. He's only been CEO for under a year. Thought it was going to be... Hey! Mama, chill the champagne. I done I done been promoted. It, trying to 
try, trying to put lipstick on a pig, he said, to, My job is to push out the noise and focus on the citizens of East Palestine, focus on the environmental remediation, focus on investing in this community. Uh, he's given uh, one employee of Norfolk Southern a million-dollar budget to help East Palestinians recover, like uh, cleaning up a playground and helping out the local flower shop, you know, the one that's going to be making the floral arrangements for the people who die from exposure. To the, never mind. Yeah, they probably need to be sued out of existence and get a whole new board. Maybe even new shareholders. Board. Um, so, let's see, where are we? Uh... Uh, it, right. Um, Ralph said, Woohoo, Darlene! So hopefully that uh, will match Darlene's $50 here in the next 21 minutes and change. Let's run over to the stress line, check in with Scott. Hey, Scott, how are you? Well, I, I don't know. You've, uh, <laughs> I do that every were, evening. Were you conjuring me? I don't know. I, I don't know about this Musk fellow. I, you know, I'll never, I know I'll never be as wealthy, but I also know I'll never be as insensitive and s stupid. It's, it's like I, I was trying to think of something to compare him to and certainly not a summer's day or a summer's eve or, well, he is a douche. So I, I guess I could, uh, but saw that I coming. Yeah, I, I did, you know. Okay. <laughs> But I, I just don't. Uh, I, I. No, I know. And look, you will never be. You will never be as so awful that your own child will have her name changed and say that she never wants to so much as breathe air in the same room as her own father. Well, and that there must, there must be a, a, a growing trend. Because who was that politician who was running for something whose relatives had called him out and were appearing on uh, uh, talk shows? And I think he was a dentist. Yes, somewhere. that's Paul Gosar, the demon dentist Gosar. of the desert from Arizona, yes. Stan. It's a pretty – you've reached a pretty sorry state if, if your own relatives are taking, I, I would say, extraordinary measures – to distance, uh, distance is a pretty good all-purpose word in this case. I, I just, I don't. Was he dropped as a child onto his head or something, or, or, or did he? What is his background? Because I, I think about Trump having grown up in the family that he did, and apparently uh, his daddy's daddy was no great shakes either when it came to interpersonal relations, and you know. 
things like that. What is with these people? And it's usually the, the most erratic and, and dysfunctional and, and mean and hateful and paranoid and angry and et cetera, et cetera, at all people into whose lap drops gobs and gobs of money. And you know that they're not up to using it in a way that, that, that is better for everyone. It's, it's, it's all an ego trip. Oh, like me. Oh, please like me. Well, they didn't like you when you were didn't have a pot or a window, and and they probably don't like you. Now, I can't imagine working at a place like that. I I I I no, no. I would rather break into cars or you know something like that. Steal hubcaps. go back to stealing cassette decks. Yeah, do they still have hubcaps? Are hubcaps still a thing, or is it all integrated into the wheel now? Kind of depends. All right. But, you know, you, you, you bring up an interesting point. Way, way, way back when, uh, Google, back when Sergey Brin was still part of the going concern. Google. <laughs> uh, they had this... They, they, they had this motto, and I think it's long since, well, that good ship has sailed and sunk. Don't be, don't be evil. Yeah. And for a period of time there, there were these stories that would proliferate about how working in the new tech economy meant that there were break rooms with beanbag chairs and ping pong tables and foosball and, and place, quiet places where people could go and take a 20 minute nap and then get back to the business of coding the future. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I know. I know what you're talking about. But what we're finding out now in the early years of the third decade of the 21st century is that a grind is a grind is a grind is a grind with apologies to Gertrude Stein. And well, is... it's it's it working in <laughs> tech is is as every bit as brutal in its own way as my, you know, my father sweating away over a God only knows how many thousand degrees silicon furnace. Yeah. And maybe I remember, worse. I remember as a kid, the big thing was movies. And you'd walk to the theater. We had like three or four theaters in my hometown. And I remember going to one. It, it was a, it was a, a period uh, picture from the ancient days. And it was a big wooden vessel, okay, a big wooden ship, sailing ship. And and down on the lower deck, there was a row on the left and a row on the right, and like two or three guys on each row, all in chains, each having oars that they would pull. What are they called? Galley, galley ships, galley slaves. Yeah, yeah, they were galley slaves. I I, I imagine uh, his company being the modern equivalent of that. No, you don't have to. Get splinters in your hands from the oars, but there is a price to pay if you want to come here and be employed. I just can't Stroke. imagine. Stroke. Yeah, Stroke. the guy in the back uh, doing the cadence. Yeah. Yeah. Only, yeah. only in, in in 2023, it's code, code. Yeah. Code, code. Yeah. What well, what a, I I thank my Anglo-Saxon upright Protestant God that I don't have to uh, deal with that shit. 
I mean, the closest I came to it was when I worked for one of the well, several of the phone companies. But he, who oh, was, you know, uh, you know what you know what I think would be positively purgatorial. Purgatorial, I like that. Thank you. Uh, I, I've, I've known people who did, and working the help desk, being an IT professional and working the help desk. Oh no, you. Don't go there because the universe listens to the show. You do realize that, don't you? Oh, the goddess! The, the goddess of irony <laughs> is completely tuned in. In the next world, in the next go round, you you may uh, you may rub your. Well, eyes it's and... it's along the lines of <laughs> it's it's it's, a, it's along the lines of of, of the uh, concept from Beetlejuice that people who commit suicide wind up being civil servants in the afterlife. There you go. <laughs> no, you're you're going to the help desk. Oh, please, just send no, just just send me to the hot place, not the help desk. Give to give me my pineapple and let me go, but not the help desk. Uh, uh, I long long ago, and I still miss him to this day. My dear friend Peter Gottbold, uh, who was single handedly responsible for teaching me how to build computers. He used to say, nothing strikes more misery into the heart of an IT professional than the user. You mean like the customer? Well, no, the person, yeah, the person, the person who uses the actual computer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> now... And what's wrong with safety in the workplace? I remember once a year at the phone company, you would, they would block out about an hour of time, and instead of doing your usual job, they would test you to make sure that you went up and down the stairs correctly. And, and if you had to lift a box of directories or something, there was a right way to lift it and a dangerous way to lift it. And it was all in the interest of, the company ultimately. I mean, we benefited by not falling down the stairs or pulling something in our second. Not really getting at. killed at work is really key. The key to the benefits program. Well, yeah, and and they don't like it when that happens because it means paperwork and some sort of and monetary pay, right and having to pay out money. Yeah. See, yeah. The, the workplace safety is actually good for business. Ultimately, yeah. But you can't explain that to the shareholders. Oh, you got a you got a penny less on your dividend this this quarter because, well, we had to do some safety training. Yeah, I want that, my damn penny. Fuck that safety. And, and and the people who are who are providing the goods or the services, and put in a good an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, they they're the it, without them. Your, your good or service will be delayed or inferior in quality and reliability. They're, they're just so, so short-sighted. They are literally penny-wise and pound-foolish. Yes, thank you. Or to go all Abraham Lincoln, they know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. There you go. I like that, too. Did he say that? I know he said a lot of stuff. You know who said more than any of them? Shakespeare. Anonymous. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anonymous, to, anonymous said a lot of shit. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it was good shit. So, so I don't know. I, I just, um, I, I, people like that are just, they're too twisted to be here. I don't wish him any harm, mental, physical, or, you know, even financial. But it, it's just, can we, can we pick out one of the, Less populated, least uh, less populated states somewhere, and just put them all there, and put a big fence up around the you know the perimeter of the state, and let them um, let them duke it out with one another. I mean, they've been screwing us all these years, trying to get us killed. Let them have at it with one another, but they don't do that. They have meetings, they have meetings and gatherings. And and uh, con confabs, and uh, what else do they do? They they go on corporate retreats to faraway places with strange sounding names, and that's that's where they dream up all of this shit. Boy, when I'm emperor, it's all going to be different, Robin. It's uh, <laughs> going to be some changes <laughs> around here. That's right. That's right, my friend. So I, I just, I don't like them. May away with them. Make them go away. Don't like them anymore. They're tweet, Twitter. And what, is there a limit on the number of words that you can put into a tweet? Or 140 characters? characters, I think. Maybe yeah, 280. I, I don't, no, it used uh, to be 140 characters. I think it's 280 now. That's why I never use Twitter because I like. I'm just, I, I mean, I actually I, I like the format because it it compelled me to try to be succinct, concise, to the point. Yeah, but you have to be 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 brief. And what's a, uh, it's like anything that I that that I would have to say, I'm still in the preamble portion in 140 or 280 characters. I'm just working up a good head of steam. I mean, right. Well, see, that, that's why that, that's why it was helpful for me because I have a hard time saying, hi, my name's Robin, in, you know, 280 characters. And by the way, Scary Jerry says, hi, Scott. Fuck emo. Hi, Jerry. Fuck emo lush. Emo lush. Elmo Hickey. Elmo Muskrat. I still like Napoleon Bonapartheid. Yeah, that's about that. That touches all the bases. That that truly does. Because you know the the best way to become a billionaire is to get a billion dollars before you ever grow up. Well, that's how Trump did it. I mean, and he's his, not a billionaire. And, and, and Elon Elon uh, Elon's money has so much apartheid blood all over it. It's amazing it doesn't slip out of any uh, slip out of his hands. But in the time remaining, I wanted I wanted I wanted to share a clip because, of course, I I fired up the machine and took in my filthy morning habit today. How do you stand it? I look. I, maybe maybe I'm just I'm a weird, but I get it. I I am entertained. I'm I'm. Are you not entertained? Yes, I am entertained by that program. I'm not proud of it, but I am. Uh, what they do? Well, so, it's 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 weird to watch the evolution of squint. 
you know, Charlie Pierce coined the uh, coined the name for that duo. He called them Squint and the Meat Puppet. I presume he still does. You mean Joe and Mika? Yeah. Squint. Which one? He's Squint. Squint? He's Squint. <laughs> How is Mika a meat puppet? She's a nice lady. She is, but what? Just let's not overanalyze that. All hey, right, okay. thank you to Mary Bell. Thank you, Mary Bell. Thank you so very much. Uh, Darlene's challenge has been met, and Mirabella Dick too. We are down to only three hundred and fifteen dollars to go to come even with this evening. The power bill, glory hallelujah, will be paid. It'll be paid before I even do the upload. Sorry about the upload last night, by the way. Gremlins. Yeah. And thanks to uh, Mark, Uncle Smokey, over at Patreon. Thank you so much. So that gets us down to, well, um, 305. That's so cool. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, if you want to do Patreon, by the way, it's under the Contribute tab at HeadOn.Live. And it's easy. And all of those come out on the first day of the month. Now, Joe is evolving. It, 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 there was there was no more obnoxious member of the of the gangrene revolution than Joe Scarborough, but something's happened to him. All, you know now that he's up up in New York being a coastal elite and everything. And when Marginal Trailer Queen was running her yap about being a secessionist, well, God, you know you, it's like the prodigal son, Scott. You kill the fatted calf, right? Mm. Even though there, even though everybody else has been doing the right thing all along, the prodigal son comes home and you throw a party. So it's just kind of. So he took up the question of marginal trailer queen, wanting, you know, blathering about another civil war and hollering about secession. It was kind of cute. Richard Taylor Green. I mean, you know, whatever. That doesn't yeah, matter. Talk, again, Charlie Sykes talking about secession, uh, which, of course, we've looked at all the numbers. When and, and by the way, not a backbencher. Somebody who was responsible for Kevin McCarthy's rise. Mm-hmm. Somebody who Kevin McCarthy said he would stand next to to the bitter end said that Red states needed to secede from America. Of course, this is so laughable because blue states, as we all know, are the donor states, are the states where taxpayers take it on the chin to take care. Do you see why I'm more and more convinced that there's a producer over there, Morning Joe, who's listening to this program right before bed? Yeah, I, I, there, that seems to be happening more and more, doesn't it? I mean, because after all, there I, I can't tell you the emails I've gotten saying, "Hey, Robin, you know I love listening to your program. It puts me to sleep every night." Yeah, you take your compliments how you get them. <laughs> You're growing sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. But anyway, well, it, it, no, he's <laughs> just. You know, Hi, Joe's producer. Hey. Of districts like Marjorie Taylor Greene's to take care of districts across Texas where Ted Cruz talks about, you know, it talks about secession. Not all of Texas. There's there's a lot of Texas that actually contributes very well. 
But look at the dark blue states, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, Kentucky, West Virginia. You're talking Thank about you. the states that are Alaska, the biggest supporters of Donald Trump and Trumpism. And, and you know, and of course, uh, you know, what can you say? What, what 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 can you say? We always hear about this, you know, secession. Uh, and I've got to ask, what what is it that so deeply offends them that like three trans athletes in Utah want to swim? Is that real? I mean, uh, are military stronger than it's ever been? Joe, you better stop. You better stop with that trans shit or you'll lose your audience. OK, just saying, hon. Are our opponents on the run? Russia on the run? China uh, uh, in decline, at least for now, um, or Iran uh, facing uh, facing protests day in and day out. Again, it's it, it, it's fascinating that that they're so desperate to raise money that they're willing from small donors. They're actually willing to say we need to have a civil war. Well, it is deeply unserious, as you'd expect from Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, by the way, sits on the Homeland Security Committee. So oh we've seen God. this transition. We've seen the transition from sedition to secession in in a very short period of time. Look, um, a year ago, Joe, um, I actually called the shot. I said, "Look, um, the next big MAGA play is going to be national divorce. They're going to talk about it, not because they're going to do it, uh, but because they have to keep." ratcheting up the oh time out we have to give a cowbell to arnold in pa okay. uh, i presume talking about marginal trailer queen arnold says tell scott she's like a blow-up doll with an opinion oh dear yeah i like <laughs> that i'm gonna write that one down uh, <laughs> and arnold added and said if i was a producer on a network program i would be listening to you and rick smith Oh, this is this is the first draft. Now, who was that disembodied voice who chimed in there? Because that was Charlie Sykes. He's a, he's oh, a okay. he's a he's a he's a conservative Republican too. And I'm always a little suspicious. Okay, I, please forgive me. I'm too jaded. But sometimes I worry about these Never Trump Republicans because I worry that what they're really mad about is that these people are spoiling their fun by saying the quiet shit out loud. God well, damn it, don't say that. Don't say that in front of the rubes. That's part of it. But until Trump and Trumpism came along, who were, who were we on about uh, in terms of calling them out? It well, was the, the, the back, back before Trump, it, you know, going back to two, the 2010 midterms, it was, it was about the teabaggers. Who were nothing but recycled Klansmen and John Birchers. Yeah. But the problem was, just as it, it, just as there are a hell, there's a hell of a lot worse Nazi problem in this country than most people realize. Back then, there was a lot bigger teabagger problem, which people learned to their where at least Democrats learned to their chagrin in November of 2010. And and as much as they would like the public to believe otherwise, 
it's it's all it's not uh, grassroots oriented. It's 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 astroturf. Astroturf, yeah. And are and they're really they're really not doing anything but but uh, enabling and enriching and and making more in, influential and powerful the the corporate types that run them. Don't they see the strings that are being pulled? I mean, and they talk about no, freedom. Scott. They don't because they don't want to. They talk about freedom and liberty and and being an an individual, and yet, you know, they want to fit in. And I, there are way better groups to be part of than dysfunction like that. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, Jesus, join Toastmasters. No, don't do that because that'll make them more effective uh, effective fascists, at least in terms of speaking. Toastmasters. Is that even still a thing? I think it is. I, I know it is. <laughs> I know it is because uh, uh, I think it was our buddy Suman who a couple of years ago sent in uh, or shared with me some uh, stuff he'd been doing with Toastmasters. It's – join the Kiwanis Club. Join the – Hell, you're a Republican. Join the Chamber of Commerce. The, that's your tribe. But no, I think. It, it, but some some people just get more fun marching around with a AR-15 slung across their chest. You know, Meal Team Six comes to mind. And they got their little three-cornered hats. That was a thing for a while, and their puffy yeah, shirts. Yeah, if it's not a three, if it's not a tricorn hat, it's a it's a kepi cap from the Civil War. Jesus, let's check that out a little bit more. of This clip, stand by. The outrage. Look, this is still the far right, but one of the things that we have learned is the way that the crazy ideas from the far right become mainstream. Ah, see, that's the problem. The the the, the crazy far right is the damned Republican base. I know I preach this over and over again, but we have got to act. We got to internalize this to the point that it that that, that we don't. You know, it's like driving a car. You have to get so comfortable with it that some things you do almost without thinking. You know, keep your eye on the road, eyeball glance at the at the at the rear view, eyeball glance at the passenger side side mirror, eyeball glance at the driver side side mirror, back to the back to the road and. And you know you don't think about do I really want to stop at this stop sign or or when should it not you just do because and I don't know that we're there yet and no this is not the hard right and but 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 Charlie Sykes is right it becomes mainstreamed and it seems like the crazier it is the faster it goes mainstream because there's a lot of money pushing creating that momentum. You know, the, 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 the trans panic is not organic. It's not... It, 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 no. It's something that, that, just like CRT and Christopher Rufo, these are deliberate acts. You know, well, it, shrieking about CRT and, and black history, they know it's, it's a moneymaker. It's the enemy of the month club is what it amounts to because they've got to have their <clears throat> their people engaged and, and donating and uh, upset about something. 
And they're never, you know, the most sad scene in the world is a satisfied conservative who wakes up any given morning and doesn't have something to go on about. Well, what what is it in uh, 1984? The 32nd Hate? Remember that concept? Uh, it's been a while since I've watched the movie or read the book, but uh, is that in, like, the workplace where everybody uh, gets, uh, like, a, to blow off a little steam but don't get carried away with it in terms of their uh, – well, you tell me. Well, well no, every, every day there's a 30-second hate, and you just – you just hate someone for 30 seconds because you know, they're good. <sighs> well, there's, there are 30 seconds has been up for a while. Now, get down to something useful. Yeah, but every day it's a different 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Let's, well, get, just... let's, get, let's get a little more of this. Because there are no longer guardrails. It'll be interesting to see if Kevin McCarthy has anything to say about all of this. No. But there's not going to be a national um, uh, divorce. But this kind of rhetoric is dangerous. And also, you know, while I think that, you know, we, you know, have the leadership of both parties uh, showing unity, uh, don't don't neglect the fact that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene um, and Ron DeSantis are appealing to the id of the party, the id of the right, which is anti-Ukraine, which is willing to tolerate this sort of notion that our real enemy is not Vladimir Putin. Our real enemy is other Americans that we need to that we need to pit red states versus blue states. And so unfortunately, there is an audience for this. It'll be interesting to see whether there whether and how much pushback there is to this kind of crazy rhetoric. Well, and, and Will, we've talked about it before, but but they don't hate Russia. They hate Americans. Yeah. They don't attack Vladimir Putin. They attack the United States military. Senior senators say they wish American troops were more like Russian troops. <laughs> you have you have them saying that that helicopters are coming from Afghanistan that we used in the Afghanistan war. Uh, U.S. military helicopters to hunt down Americans here at home, that the FBI is going to kick down the doors of Americans who voted for Donald Trump and drag them off to jail, that the IRS, a senior Republican senator, I think the most senior Republican senator, yeah. saying that IRS agents were going yeah. to go to his home state, kick in the doors with AR-15s and shoot and kill middle class Iowans. I could keep going down the list, but it's one after another after another. And it's all about hating America. Now, why would they do this? It's, 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 it's baffling to me. I can't imagine it. This is the sort of thing that conservatives used to get angry about when the radical left would do it and would say, America, love it or leave it. I'm not so sure why they hate America so much, but I do know this. It raises them a lot of money. Yeah. So at the end of the day, just like T Jim and Tammy F uh, Baker taking my grandmom's Social Security checks oh. in the 1980s, they, they, they take $25 here, $25 there by preaching hate, by preaching conspiracy theories, by talking about how they are being hunted down by their own government. The NRA has done it ma masterfully and cynically for the past 30 years, talking about jackbooted thugs. And so why? Why would they do it? Well, you look and see how much 
the craziest members of the House Berets and the small uh, dollar donors uh, that, that, that from across the country, they give them money. And it, it's, it's all a grift. They're literally willing to burn the American flag with their rhetoric to raise $25 across the night. It's, it's- he's not wrong. No, he's not. But see, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't uh, pat yourself on the back too strenuously, Joe, because he, it, it isn't what he was up to pretty much his whole career in politics. Didn't that create a space for a lot of these people who uh, knocked it up a notch? Yeah, he's he's the he's the Republican Party Saint Paul. Okay, uh, if you it, this is Wednesday, so I can talk about this stuff. Uh, Saint Paul was Saul of Tarsus, and he was said to have been uh, one of the top persecutors of the followers of the Jesus movement. Yeah. He was the head guy. And, you know, <laughs> ACAB, you know, he was, it may have been, he may have been part of the temple enforcement squad. It's said that maybe, it, and this is apocrypha, I think, that, you know, he was in on the stoning of St. Stephen. Yeah. I always thought that poor guy got a raw deal. Uh, well, I mean. But, but so uh, years pass, and. Paul never actually meets Jesus, but he gets struck blind on the road to Damascus, and this big booming voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And this is kind of, you know, this, what we're witnessing here with Scarborough is his road to Damascus moment. But the problem is, every Republican in the United States has a hand in the Republican Party as it exists now. Yeah. Liz Cheney can upbraid Marjorie Taylor Greene till hell freezes over. But she's still who she is. She voted with Trump 95 plus percent of the time. And of course, she's the daughter of a guy who was the mastermind of a of a million of murdering a million innocent Iraqi civilians. And all of them have their laminated uh, I love Reagan card in their uh, pocketbook or, or wallet. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, see, remember, you're, you're, the, you're the Horn Nixon correspondent. Well, that's right. Oh, absolutely. It was, the Jews. It, was the Ju- it was the Jews, Henry, the Jews. Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. Give me a candy bar. Go ahead. But, it, yeah. But, but you know, uh, Richard B. Dick Cheney, before he dicks you big time, uh, well, he 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 cut his teeth in. I mean, he he became a somebody in the Nixon administration. He was just low level enough that somehow he managed to go uh, avoid going to prison. Well, wasn't he Ford's uh, secretary of something, defense maybe? Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he was just like uh, Pappy Bush was the CIA director under Ford. Yeah, yeah, and they. And that's just it. They, 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 they. So it becomes they, it becomes sort of incestuous over time. It rep, it becomes self replicating. 
Well, I, they need to they need to just stop. I just and now they're it, it is so out of control in terms of the 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 crazies out there that not even the those not even those in charge of the of the what used to be the establishment Republican Party they can't get a they're the you can't control them anymore they they have they're running riots and on one level it's good because nothing would please me more than see the Republican Party become a thing of the past I I think it's silly that we've only got two parties in, in this country. There ought to be more parties. Well, but and, if, if you'd have to change the essential structure of the of the of the constitution and the government in order to have a multi-party system. I mean, you can have as many parties as you want, but it's still a first past the post system. There's a winner, and everybody else is a loser. It's not like a parliamentary system where you can have, uh, you know, some greens and some uh, and 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 some hard core right-wing freaks, Nazis, whatever, and some Christian Democrats and some mainstream conservative party, you know, Tories, whatever. It, 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 this system does not admit of the possibility of that. Like I said before, if, there, if, if, if one party, if a third party ever rises to a sufficient degree of power, then just as what happened with the Whigs in the mid-19th century, the Whigs were absorbed into the new Republican Party. And and what became the Democratic Party had been the Jeffersonian Republicans. So that we actually saw a a little bit of this in action back in, well, around 2010, when the... Uh, when the teabaggers were, who were, again, unreconstructed John Birchers and Klansmen and Libertarians and the like, well, they became the Republican base. Instead of rising and replacing, the Republican Party happily absorbed them into their body. Yeah, because they need numbers. They've never been as popular in terms of numbers have they? I mean, even in the, you know, the... No, the, there, there, would ne- there would never be a Republican majority in either House of Congress if, uh, if, if, if Republicans had to run in fair elections. Well, and God knows the voters, by and large, voters with any goddamn sense, don't want what they're peddling door to door. And, and really, anybody who knows anything about anything... I think of the the great Republicans over time, like, oh, I don't know, Herbert Hoover. There's one. And who was probably a hell of an engineer. He should have just stuck to what he was up to, okay? Or or feeding the people in Belgium back at the turn of the, the, the start of the 20th century. I'm not saying they can't do good things from time to time, even inadvertently. But you you just don't... Stop it. Stop it, please. They don't uh, they have nothing to bring to the party uh, other than rancid dip or something. Ew. And, ew. I don't want <laughs> that. But anyway, I, I just. Uh, did I cut you off there? Cause no, you, you didn't. Telling me about Morning Joe. No, no, no. I, I, I thought that I just thought that was 
it's always interesting to see the further evolution of Joe Scarborough. You know, maybe by the time he's seventy, um, he'll be he'll he'll be out there. I don't know for the for the reinauguration of Occupy Wall Street. How much uh, how much leeway do the, do the corporate types at uh, NBC give him? I mean, he's not free to say anything. He, he can't he's, say he's he, can't, he, he can't say booger. Booger? What's wrong with booger? WKRP Johnny Fever. Oh, oh, oh I'm booger. sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm it's not funny anymore when you have to explain it, Scott. Well, I know that. I, I but. But, uh, you know, he has to answer to corporate masters, and there are parameters, and we must consider the advertisers, Joe. But I think, you know? I, but I think there are some changes afoot at MSNBC, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, and there are some people who are trying to make, well, suits, who are trying to make it, put some space between them and the competition. I mean, I, I've never actually sat and watched Fox and Fiends in the same time slot just because I don't want my brains to leak out my ears. But there's the CNN, you know, there's the CNN show, there's the CBS morning show, there's an ABC morning show, NBC, you know, Big Brother NBC's Today show. So... You're you're in the pro you know you're in the, you're you're constantly in the process of trying to create separation between you and the competition. Well, yeah, and the problem with that is the the pie the pie has remained the same size. It's just there's more slices and the, the audiences are more fragmented, and that that's not a, uh, a that is a system an approach that will ultimately not sustain itself because there's just too much. I don't think anything's been right in the world since they, they come up with 1,500 fucking channels. I, and I'm not saying people shouldn't have choices, but some of the shit that is, is passed off as a channel, unplug, send the box back to the company and read a book, boys and girls. So, so you, you'll, you'll shoot your eyes out. This is the uh, intellectual equivalent of the Red Rider BB gun. Get away from that kid. You'll shoot your eyes out. You know, and then, and saying, then, of course, Stuart Rhodes of the uh, um, Oath Keepers or Free Percenters. Uh, yeah, he did. He shot his eye out. Yes, he certainly did. did now, does he, I thought that was a ruse or something because it seemed to me in various pictures that I'd seen, the patch keeps changing sides. Does he forget on any given day? Which eye he supposedly shot out, or is that a real thing? Is he actually? <laughs> no, it, it, the patch only goes on his left eye. Okay, all right. Can he, has he ever said "ar"? <laughs> Yar, mateys. <laughs> I got to get out of here, Scott. Okay, and I, I say that this program. Where else are you going to get references to Fletcher Christian and Captain Bly? I mean, come on. Well, thank you for that. I like. Uh, there was a book. My mind is my, my mind is a cluttered and busy place. You know, they landed on Pitcairn. I'll close with this. Yeah, Pitcairn there, Island. There was a book about 40, 50 years ago, back in the 70s, I think. That would be about 50 years ago. Uh, uh, the Children of Pitcairn. And it's a book about the descendants, the people that 
were there and how they their interplay with the uh, with the native people and everything. Yeah, the mutineers inter, inter, intermarried and settled down and yeah. But anyway, well, a, inter, well, interesting trivia point. When we were on the lib boat cruise, um, oh so many years ago now, and you know it was it was Annette and me and Ferg and Margie and Doodle. Uh, when we went ashore in Puerto Rico, Ferg and I went on a working square rig sailing ship. Oh, wow. And it was actually the sailing ship that was used uh, and, and was, a sta- it was a stand-in for, it was actually bigger than the Bounty. Yeah, well, it would have to be. But it was tiny. Yeah, I know. And we 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 got to tour the ship, and it was the ship that was used in both of the films, both makings of Mutiny on the Bounty. It was in the movie. Yeah. It was that ship. And I remember looking at Ferg and saying, "This is not that far removed from you know what uh, what your ancestors came here on on your mom and my side both, and it's not far that far removed." You know, we were on one of the lower decks, and I said, "Imagine people shackled, laying laying shackled together all the way from Africa to say, you know, from west the coast of Western Africa to say Charleston, South Carolina, or or or, or, or you know, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Imagine the horror, because it, right. it was it, it was it was you know, I can't imagine. So lo and behold, not long after that, a hurricane blew through, and in an, in an attempt to save the ship. Uh, a skeleton crew whom we had met took her out to sea, and she and they were lost at sea. Oh, man. I don't like that when that happens. Well, sad ending, but, you know, just... but 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 that was a vessel that navigated a significant portion of the entire world it left well, it left england it went down the coast of south the eastern coast of south america navigated the the screaming 60s around the horn i mean well in a, in a tub they, in a tub yeah and see that's the thing when they talk about the people who came who who either came voluntarily to the to North American continent or were brought against their will? They weren't uh, traveling by jet. They weren't even traveling by modern day ocean liner. They were traveling the hard way on those sailing ships and and to an uncertain future. Okay, I mean. The, the fact that they made it to get here, that was just step one of the process, you know? And, and it's, um, <clears throat> I, I, I couldn't have been a, a pioneer going over land from east to west, and I sure as hell couldn't have done what my ancestors did and, and came over here. But, you, but the thing is, you could have, because it was a different world. People live in the world in which they exi- exist. They live in the world in which they live. It would not have been so. It would not have seemed as ridiculous to you right, right. inside that culture. People live in the world that they live. Has anyone ex- tried explaining this to the Trump followers? Don't they re- realize <sighs> well, that- pearls before swine, Scott? Oh, 
I mean, on. one of my, my one of my ancestors, a goad. A what? Uh, a goad. His last name was Goad. G O A D. He was angry. Oh, I thought it was a new group. No. <laughs> one of my ancestors, uh, whose sorry. name was Goad, um, landed in Roxbury, Massachusetts, in 1635. He was 17 years old. Imagine that. Yeah, well, and it must have worked out, because here you are. <laughs> Lucky and God man. knows, I mean, my people came from, well, ultimately, unless you were born in this country as a Native, uh, uh, Native American, uh, indigenous person, everybody in this country is descendant from people who came from somewhere else. With the exception of the indigenous population. Yeah. And again... That book I'm reading, Indigenous uh, Continent by uh, uh, Pekka Helenin. Wow. Just, just, wow. Great book. Uh, I read a little bit every night, and it, it just, it is, such a, it is such a different and probably far more realistic way of looking at indigenous culture uh, on this continent. It is brilliantly written and meticulously footnoted. It's worth it for anybody who's interested in that kind of history. Um, yeah, I, I dug I dug far enough back on those on that goad. Uh, he came from, and I have no idea where this is, but he came from what is basically uh, St. Pancras Gate in London. Don't know it. So he was, he was probably, you know, I don't know. Maybe he had to work his passage. I don't know, or or indenture himself. I'm, I'm not sure. But I found a bunch of my ancestors in Essex, in England, um, and it, and and without fail, they all seem to be troublemakers. Yeah, but that's good. Yeah. Was I listening to the? Oh, it was uh, Finding Your Roots last night on PBS. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Uh, Gates, Professor Gates, one of the people that they had on was Angela Davis. And this is kind of a spoiler, but her ancestors, some of them came over on the Mayflower. And it blew her away. She had never considered the possibility that that something like that could be the case. And it had to reframe her, her mindset. You know, because she was, I mean, a righteous revolutionary back in the day. And you can't get more establishment than the folks coming over on the on Yeah, but, but when you when you figured when you when you sort out how she got those Mayflower roots. Oh yeah. It probably was not consensual. Oh no. Well no no. She her white ancestors is what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm talking about. Her white ancestors went down to the quarters and Well yeah. And they did. They go into that on the show. You were going to leave a little while ago. I was. I feel like I'm holding you up. Well, I bet no, but I better go. I better go. Just getting in a little extra programming because you know we missed a little bit here and there, and I screwed up the upload last night. And he. But Scott, you have yourself a wonderful evening. I will, Robin. You go thou and do likewise, and same to the uh, Horn family wherever they may be. Here, here. We'll talk soon. Bye. Good night. And so that's the program, and it's been a miraculous program. There will be a program tomorrow. Yay! We made it. And uh, thanks to everybody who made that possible. I'm sorry it... I'm sorry it gets like this. 
someday, someday, maybe, some some limousine liberal will, um, you know, because they're everywhere, will say, hey, you know, Robin, we love the show, and we love we love everybody who who who, who contributes their ideas and. Here, don't worry about bills anymore. Just do the show and never, never, never mention fundraising again. And that will be a grand day. Uh, Jude tells me when we, because this is the magic, the synergy of how this program works. Subject line, Pitcairn Island. When I was in middle school, my mother made connection with some family on Pitcairn. I remember her opening packages with exquisite pieces of dark wood hand carvings. Such an interesting alignment. I wish I knew now how she made that connection. How cool. All the, you know, all these... All these little lanyaps. Little, little gifts, little freebies from the universe. They amaze me. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to our Patre- Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thank you, thank you, kind internet friend, for put it, for for tripling two hundred and fifty dollars so we can keep the lights on. Thank you, thank you to everybody who answered the challenges from Ralphs and our kind internet friend. Thank you so much. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. It makes for a magnificent community. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Steve and Roger in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Hey, like and subscribe, please. Leave a comment. Whatever platform you're listening on, the uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, um, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're all over the place. And the more you like and subscribe, however it is you listen, the more likely it is that maybe we rise and the, the algorithm say, hey. And, and, you know, the nice thing is, un, un, unlike, uh, unlike like right-wing programs and whatnot, we're not advocating terrorism here, domestic or otherwise. It's a delightful conversation. So like and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks. To the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Well, now, get your booster, get your flu shot. You know, at the end of March, we'll be out of flu season, which is amazing. Wipe down your surfaces, help stop the spread of RSV until the vaccine's ready, maybe next year. Wear your masks. The maggots are a virus, virus spreading lot. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry some with you everywhere you go, pocket or purse. Maintain your feet, social distance 15 to feet, 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. For God's sakes, if you know who comes babbling towards you down the sidewalk, braying and bleeding about national divorce, avoid that woman like the plague, because she is. But always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later. <laughs>